0: For me, it doesn't really matter what kind of movie it is. I'm always imagining a movie in my head, and then I'm trying to get as close as possible to the movie which is in my head.
1: Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, Brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In today's episode, a mysterious force knocks the moon into a collision course with Earth and Roland Emmerich's sci-fi adventure, Moonfall. In a world on the brink of annihilation, two former astronauts team up with a conspiracy theorist to save humanity. As they mount an impossible last-ditch mission into space, they discover that the moon is not what we think it is. In addition to Moonfall, Mr. Emmerich's directorial credits include the feature films Independence Day, The Patriot, The Day After Tomorrow, Stonewall, Independence Day Resurgence, and the movie for television Dark Horse. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Emmerich shares insight into the making of Moonfall with fellow director Anna Forrester. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. So, I,
2: yeah, go ahead. yeah,
0: no, 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 huh? it's like, just start.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I saw the movie in, at the premiere at the Men's Chinese and it was my first movie uh, in a very long time. I mean, in a very long time where I actually went outside and saw a movie and that was definitely an experience. I mean, there you go and you see those, what you just saw, those visuals uh, that are epic and definitely yeah. have scope and scale. And I was thinking, like, how much this is true to basically all your work, regardless of what kind of subject it is, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and no, I mean, definitely. And people that have worked with you will maybe relate to this. But when I started working with you the first time, I had to recalibrate in terms of, like, how wide is a wide shot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and... And, um, you know, it's like just to keep up with the scope and the scale of your vision. That's
0: Oh, well.
2: Yeah?
0: (laughs) I always like kind of uh, imagine movies, and it doesn't matter if it's a disaster movie or a war movie or a movie about Shakespeare. You know, I, I don't really, for me, it doesn't really matter what kind of movie it is. I'm always imagining a movie in my head and then I'm trying to get as close as possible to the, you know, movie which is in my head. And that's uh, most of the time a really, really depressing thing. (laughs) It's really depressing. Because naturally it's never as good as it's in your head. So uh, because of that, you know, you have to work really hard. And then sometimes it becomes close, but... um, I have the feeling I'm going, uh, I I don't think too much, you know, when I have finished the script, uh, but um, uh, I just try to follow, you know, that guiding star, which is uh, the movie in my head, and then I try to make it then as good as possible to make it as, yeah, just like to make it as good as I can.
2: I'm really curious, and I know this is maybe going a step uh, too far back but when did that start that you had that desire to t- tell stories of that size, of that scope?
0: I, I went to film school in uh, Munich and I actually learned uh, through a, a woman who worked in TV um, about it uh, her name was Michele Scherenberg and she said to me, you have to go to the film school and I said, what is the film school? what you're talking about. And she said, uh, well, it's like there's a new film school. It exists since uh, nine years or so. And it's in Munich and uh, I have to, you have to go there. And I said, well, you know, um, if I, are there like kind of teaching production design? And I, she said, nope. Uh, They only like kind of uh, have like documentary department. Which was eight people and twelve people for uh, film and television and f- feature films, and um, then I just kind of said like, okay, uh, I tried to get on this, and then I got the uh, papers, and then and then I realized actually only later that I was one of the uh, twelve, you know, like uh, chosen ones, more <laughs> or less. <laughs> who uh got on this school because there were like two thousand three thousand uh uh you know like people who wanted to go on this school mm. and I got like accepted and then I was actually the, the person who uh after everybody had like said their piece you know and we were like sitting uh, in Bavaria which is like a, a German film studio and you know there was the the guy who was um you know like the I think his name is Hengst and he was um, asking everybody like kind of what do you want to become, what do you want to become? And after he was like through, you know, all of them and they all wanted to become a, a film director. And I kind of said, um, you know, I want to become a production designer. And it was like totally flashed and, and every like 11 people turned around to me and I said, <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I, I did then actually only, Production design on on my film school, but I had to do two films, and I did one with uh, Oswald von Richthofen, and there was like called Franzmann, and um, and then I did a a film which was uh, called Das Archinova Prinzip, which was a principle of Noah Zark, and that um, ended up being in the Berlinale in competition. It was like a feature film. 110 minutes long and I mainly wanted to do this because of production design. That's and then everybody right. yeah. left. I had like four or five uh students to group together and they all left one after the other. And then I had to make this movie all by myself and and uh, that was my first foray actually and I was 25 years old. And I they, they actually asked me uh <laughs> And I was like kind of sitting in front of like kind of uh, 200 journalists. So uh, how old are you? you? And I said, old enough? That was like my answer.
2: So let's talk Moonfall. Yeah. How, I mean, how did you skin that cat? I mean, this is like a humongous beast to prep. I mean, I I know you had some of your uh, core team, you have been working Uh, before you had... uh, Bobby Baumgartner as a DP and and uh, Kirk Petricelli the production designer and Beth, your yeah. first AD. But yeah. how how did you
0: and, and Harold? Yeah. Okay. And Harold is like my guiding light, and then he and then there was like another uh, writer uh, on board, came on board. We had like written already one or two scripts, and uh, there was Spencer Cohen. And it all started with me reading this stupid book about who built the moon, mm. and that was like ten years ago, and I got, just couldn't get it out of my head. I actually didn't want it to make any disaster movie anymore. I was like adamant about that. But then over the years, you know, I'm like kind of said to myself, "Oh, it's maybe a story worth telling," and and for me, it was mainly because the film was happening more in space than on earth
2: mm.
0: from 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 the second half on it was like more in space and that like kind of just interested me i also kind of felt it was really really cool to show how the moon looks inside absolutely <laughs> and uh and that was like also maybe the the thing which kind of most you know like kind of got us going in a way because the, the first half is like just getting up there but then it was like a lot about you know how will the moon look from the inside uh, how can such a big object even you know whatever and then on top of it was like for me the main uh, reason to make this movie was like to warn people about ai because I'm always like thinking we 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 totally unregulated, you know, like kind of creating mm. something which could like destroy us.
2: Yeah, that, that was something that caught me totally by surprise. So we, mm-hmm. I, I'm watching this movie, and then I'm getting to the moon, and it's not aliens; it's us. It's
0: our ancestors. It's
2: yeah. I I thought that was really kind of a, a, a great surprise, and mm-hmm. and again, as you said, there is this. There's suddenly there's this warning. There's this message. There is this hey, hello, humans! Don't don't.
0: Never you know, make never up. make a movie without a message.
2: Yeah, we were just talking about this outside because it's it's really interesting about messages and movie and and when do you decide like when you when you're when you're creating Moonfall or when you're working on Moonfall? Did you already have the message in the beginning or did that evolve as you were as you were? No, it was on first
0: only like kind of uh, the idea that the moon is artificial.
2: I mean,
0: I rem- I rem- I, it was yeah. really that it's built, you know. Mm. And uh, they had like kind of uh, three different theories. Uh, one was like aliens. One was uh, God, and one was uh, ourselves in a way. And that like kind of was for me too um, too out of the you know ordinary. There was like time travel, and I kind of said, no, that's like not good. So I then like said, let's do ancestors, mm. and they're like kind of five billion or six billion years ago. Had like a total uh, disaster happening to them, and that the moon is now around Earth is like pretty much because the moon created Earth, and uh, and yeah, and and then everything else came from there. And uh, I don't think we even at the beginning um, had such a a long scene. Uh, created, you know, because it was like out of, this was like the scene which became longer and longer and longer. You know, mm-hmm. that was like just one of these scenes which uh, you hate when you're a filmmaker because it's two people in a in a white room. And uh, and I cannot naturally never ever expected it to be that long, but it had to be that long. And then we tried to make it as as uh, cool with the two sons as mm-hmm. as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and that was uh, that. And uh, but it was for me clear that it had to be about a warning. Mm. If, uh, there's no movie you can uh, do without having some sort of a message, a warning, you know, because otherwise it becomes like kind of becomes about nothing.
2: Just in terms of technically, uh, you're you're prepping something that's, as you say, mostly happening. In CG and there is nothing really there uh, did you, I mean I'm assuming you prevised a lot of stuff
0: yes but uh, we started the movie you know um, we had like 4-5 uh, months of previs mm. and I went to this was all before the COVID crisis and then uh, after one and a half two months they shut us down in Montreal mm-hmm. and uh, we had to go home and there was like really no idea how to s- restart this film because it was uh, independently produced film, uh, which like, I don't know how many of you uh, have like kind of dealt with that, but it's you uh, have like a budget and that's it. It's a budget. And because we, you know, like kind of did this movie before the pandemic uh, there were like kind of s- uh, 5.6 million in pandemic costs, which I had to cut out because out of my shooting schedule and some other stuff, because and I had to lose... Uh, I had like planned to make this movie in 69 days and I had to do it in 61 days. And then it was a miracle that we started again. But it was like really, really bad conditions. I mean, I have never seeing conditions like that. I mean, masks, uh, thing, plexiglass, wherever you looked. And it was not an enjoyable experience.
2: Yeah, I mean, this was, I was shooting at the same time and we got shut down as well for, for a whole year, actually. We had to wait. And it's funny that you say the masks and the plexiglass. To me, the weirdest thing there was the communication. Like you find out that you really communicate so much more just with a little... Look or a smirk or something yeah but it's it's, suddenly, it's also
0: it's also when you cannot go up to your actor exactly, and say exactly. oh let's do this like this no no yeah, oh, yeah
2: don't exactly.
0: come too close it's you could infect him
2: it.
0: and we were all like kind of these um we had um we had uh groups you know or like kind of there was like the shooting uh, group there was the actors group there was the there was like all these different groups and uh i got really confused uh, most of the time because i talked always to the wrong people <laughs> and uh it was like wild and and I normally what i do uh, uh and that's i really like montreal uh, a lot because it's um it has really really good food and uh i'm like kind of shooting uh, no, movie number 5 there and uh, it started with Day After Tomorrow, remember? I remember. And, uh, and what I normally do, I can invite my actors and have like talks with them. And I do this like in a very kind of relaxed atmosphere. And I couldn't do that. And that was like for me, I had no idea how to direct this movie. And then naturally you spend a little bit more time with the actors and stuff. And then... After a while, you like kind of say, "Well, maybe kind of that works too," you know, and uh, and it some sort of worked out. But I, I actually prefer to to go to dinner with them before. While we're like kind of preparing, and then and that was like kind of non-existent. And then the same thing was happening throughout the whole post. Mm. We couldn't really test when we wanted, so we had to test really late, which was uh, a problem for us. And yeah, and then and then uh, the movie cuts uh released like three weeks ago, and didn't do very well, which is like a problem. But uh, what can you do? And so, so that's uh, so. But I have to say, you know, I really, really like my movie. It's not that I don't like my movie. You should. <laughs> it's uh, it's just one of these things. But I, I think a lot of people miss that. Uh, they just didn't saw it, <laughs> but they will see it on their movies, uh, on their TV screens, what not, you know. But uh, it's 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 better on a big screen like this with super sound, and and uh, I think it's a real uh, thing. Which like uh, I sometimes like think, where will this all go, you know? When uh, only like kind of Spider Man, No Way Home makes that kind of money. And everything else is like a little bit falls short. I hope that uh, movies come back, really, really.
2: Tell me, tell me about the characters. How did they? How did they evolve?
0: Well, we had uh, first like kind of three guys flying up there mm-hmm. to the thing, and then I said that's like kind of not gonna work, you know. And then we figured out who could be the the woman in the in the team. I always like kind of thought, you know, like kind of. Uh, Casey Hausman should be a guy I, I don't know I had always like kind of problems you know uh, with him being a woman but that's like maybe my old-fashionedness but I kind of thought it was really cool to have somebody who uh, is the second in command of um, NASA is, is like a woman and then we made a list you know and Halle Berry was the first uh, of the uh, because i always liked her mm-hmm. and uh, then she said immediately yes yeah and then and for, for us it was really important to to have like this connection that uh, her she has a son he has a son mm-hmm. and then they do it for a reason you know that's what's like our main uh, kind of thing and and they're really happy when they finally learn that their kids have survived and um, and then uh I think uh, now we can say that, right? The surprise was that KC is like uh, sacrificing himself because he's also like kind of the guy who has only uh, a, a mom which is uh, has Alzheimer's and, you know, and it's like kind of uh, hardly recognizes him anymore or remembers him anymore, uh, that like he had the the, the least to lose, mm. you know. And yeah, and, and he's also the, I think he's also the heart of the movie and the fun part.
2: So I'm I'm curious, the lines we hear on screen, are they all from the script or was there some improv going on with those no, guys? No,
0: there, there were a lot from the script, mm-hmm. um, but then there was also like some stuff uh, which uh, actually both Patrick and John came up with. And with, with Halle was really interesting. She didn't wanted to ask any questions. This was her like oh, only. It was her only thing because at the very beginning there was a lot of questions that she asked by her, but she just said like cut them all out. And when we couldn't, then we gave it to Casey.
2: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, you know, she just said said I had too many too many questions, and uh, I, I totally believe now this was the right thing to do. Uh, because, uh, you know, when you have like kind of somebody, and it was also like more in Casey's, you know, like character to ask all these questions. And so that was, that was good. And I also, I mean, there was a couple of moments which uh, I think KC helped, you know, because uh, he is an incredible actor and he's totally different than he is in this movie. And he's super smart, you know, and he in a couple of points, you know he is super surprised, and how he does that is like totally natural, but it's totally acted it's that that's was for me the the main thing and uh and when we like kind of did the takes, you know every time he did it like that, and it was like kind of one of these things where you like admire start to admire somebody because, um, you know, I mean, if, uh, Patrick, I worked before, so I knew what a good actor he is, but uh, he was like totally new to me and uh, that was really a, a, quite an amazing experience for a director. Um,
2: curious, NASA.
0: I don't know why they supported us. <laughs> I have no clue. There must be some sort of uh, new kind of... Uh, in, in in old days they would have never uh, uh supported us
2: and and tell me a little bit about the support in terms of like i'm i'm wondering like how how far did that go did you have people on set
0: yeah did well I like f- we had we had some people on set mm-hmm. we had some people on set we had like an astronaut who was actually flying a shuttle uh, we had a lot of lot of uh, support but that was all arranged through nasa in mm-hmm. a way uh and super helpful
2: and your actors, did they train with them or how did that work?
0: Well, there was no, there was no way to train uh, actors in COVID times. How do you want to do that?
2: But how did you, I mean, you did not...
0: No, no, we like, had a, just a, a, you know, an astronaut on the set mm-hmm. who then uh, said, uh, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are the things you have to kind of uh, mm-hmm. push. Uh, I mean, that's like so many... I said, like, don't ask me. I I, I never flew a shuttle. (laughs) Maybe I should try it, you know, as a German. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, uh, but, uh, and it's, it's, that was very helpful uh, because, I mean, it sounds incredibly simple, but it's, it's helpful.
2: Yeah, for sure. And then,
0: uh, and then, yeah. Then, and, but then he was not uh, allowed to uh, give his insights uh, for the uh, the Chinese uh, moonlander. <laughs> it's just, like weird. Mm-hmm. I said, "Why?" And he said, "Like, well, I'm not allowed to do that." And uh, and he left. You know. And then we figured it out. But it was it was just like uh, interesting. Yeah, and it it it. it, it I was like so surprised about that because I'm always like said uh, that there's no way that we get NASA support and they said oh let's try it anyway and then we got support and full support I mean
2: that's great
0: this is amazing actually
2: so the zero gravity how I mean did you train with the actors that or how did that work
0: well we had like some uh, mm-hmm. sessions there you know I mean you have to have the uh, but the cool uh, part was like Halle had some experience and Patrick too. So it was actually quite easy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and uh, I think, um, I mean, John was like, just bring it on. <laughs> and uh, we had like a lot of different methods to create, you know, like um, weightlessness and but we also didn't overdo it, you know what I mean I was saying like kind of there's like this this uh, movie uh at Astra or so where they're like showing like how they're flying and flying and and you get more and more bored and you know it's like it's not my thing but uh we just had everything what we had to do we we did, and then when we uh, finally had them in the moonlander, we strapped them in. And that's then only a couple of uh, mm-hmm. scenes where you don't need uh, weightlessness.
2: Then, out of curiosity, from a technical point of view, you had obviously all those backgrounds never existed in real. This no. was all in. in so uh,
0: actually, everything in Vandenberg is fake. Aha! Uh-huh. There, there's no only what you see very very close is, uh, is real. so when you like, for example, have a, a tent or or like a, a, a rostrum, you know, where they like can walk up. Uh, everything else was fake. It was all CGI,
2: um, which,
0: which brings you a certain freedom.
2: It, yes, uh, that's getting to, to my question as well in terms of like, so you had created, uh, I, I'm assuming a 3D environment of yeah. the moon and everything. Yeah, you
0: have to you have to do that. We have to have end camera.
2: It, yeah.
0: And uh, most of the time it's helpful I mean it's, it's otherwise I wouldn't know even how to do
2: it I know it's it's absolutely liberating I mean I remember when we uh tested this so to speak on on um uh, White House down we mm-hmm. had to, for the first time the cam and, and yeah, yeah it was like kind of
0: and it was not value well working no it was not but it was
2: already you really <laughs> yeah, yeah but
0: it was it was th- that
2: this is going to be a game changer particularly for movies like Oh Yeah,
0: I, I, I would not know how they would do all these big Marvel movies.
2: It's it's un, it's unbelievable if you think like even with with your experience with backgrounds with uh, visuals, uh, once you start framing something up, yeah, it's.
0: I mean, it's it's a game changer for it's sure. It's
2: definitely definitely a game changer. I'm,
0: I'm not so sure that these uh, movies where they want to kind of create real um, backgrounds, you know, will work. Uh, because uh, you have to create all your backgrounds before you even shoot. And uh, that's like kind of a weird thing for me. I mean, I'm I'm rather shoot something in blue screen and then uh, uh, create uh, an end cam, like a a relatively realistic Mm -hmm. background, which naturally looks like a, you know, like looks not that real, but they will be looking better and better. I, you know, I mean, it's it's probably good when you like kind of shoot like a, a movies where you can shoot real backgrounds, and then you can light them with that. Uh, but uh, in 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 a movie like like mine, I would uh, not know where to use it.
2: Mm-hmm. Would you Would you ever do an all animation movie? No.
0: <laughs> it's Pixar does it so well. I mean, it's just. Uh, And also, I have to understand, you know, they're like kind of making these movies over four or five years. I have not the patience to do that. It's like, I'm a very impatient person.
2: We were just talking outside about post-production because I'm in the middle of (laughs) post-production right now. And we were both talking about the assembly and what it means to, you have shot your material and then you come and suddenly you have like...
0: See, I, I have my own method there. I watch it reel by uh, reel. I watch like one reel and then I work on that reel for two, three weeks and then I go to the next reel. I never ever watch my movie all the way through. And then I watch it all the way through when I'm like kind of done with six, seven reels. And then I have the guts, let's say, to do it because I remember when uh, I saw uh, the first cut of Independence Day Uh, I wanted to kill myself. Honest to God. I said like, after, afterwards, I kind of said like, uh, let's drive off the freeway and, and have it be over with. Honest to God. I mean, it was like, so this is never going to work. And it was also like three and a half hours long. Well, that's
2: the like, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing which is like
0: never watch something that long. It's like kind of it cannot be good. So, so watch it like kind of real by real, and then you see the whole thing in uh, in one or two months, and then you like can go from there. Mm. But uh, never ever. I mean, I I made this mistake a couple of times. Not anymore. It's like unnecessary. You know what you shot. And then it's like kind of when you have like two editors, it becomes naturally a little bit problematic. But then, uh, I always like kind of work with my main editor. And then from a certain point on, I work with both editors, but I cannot like go back and forth between editors either. I'm, I'm just not made for that. And this young lady here, this young lady, um, started as a, as a, DP. Well, I started as a
2: clapper loader, I should say.
0: Yeah, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, on, I know, but like that was like uh, uh, she came to America to work on Independence Day and she was a model DP, right? Yeah. And you shot a lot of stuff.
2: We did and it everything changed. That's why it's so kind of cool to talk to you about <laughs> yeah. now in terms of like... this. this and then changed.
0: she had like a career where she was like kind of uh, then became a second unit DP and then she became a second unit director NDP and then she did TV shows right for Mark Gordon yeah. and then she, now she did her second film.
2: The, fi- the funny thing is I never thought I'm going to direct so it, I, this is why it's really <laughs> cool to sit here at DGA with you many years later <laughs> I never thought I will direct and then I think what really was the point of no return for me was Working with actors, which I did not. Yeah, expect.
0: that's that's was for me too. A little bit uh, late later in mm-hmm. a way because my first uh, couple of movies I did in Germany. They, I think it started with Moon Forty Four, where I like kind of worked with great actors, you know, like uh, was like Malcolm McDowell was in that, uh, Lisa Eichhorn, you know, I mean, really really good uh, actors. And I think when I came here. I was the first time saying, okay, let's take this serious. Mm. Because for me, this was like kind of the the transition from a production designer. I mean, I didn't ever production designed any other movie because after I had made my Das Arche Noah Prinzip, the principle of Noah's Ark, I was a director all of a sudden. And and I made like uh, three more movies in uh, in Germany.
2: I know we're running out of time, but I have one more question because okay. I'm, and I'm I'm asking selfishly because I'm in this situation right now. So you're, you're, I mean, music. You work since many years on many movies with the same composer. Team. Because it's so easy. And, well, okay, <laughs> and and one of them and one of them happens to be your co-writer. Well, it's
0: my co-writer and he's my producer so and he uh is one of the uh the composers but he was not always one of the composers he was doing it alone first and then he brought another guy in which um i think he writes most of it and he only writes the the melodies and the, the bigger pieces
2: so my my question is like because you're working together from the beginning from the script when do you start talking music like at what point does very early
0: uh-huh. very early because we always like say what kind of music is in a movie like that, <laughs> you know? And I remember like kind of, for example, when we did Midway, I kind of said like, we should have uh, sounds, just like sounds. And he said like, okay, I mean, only with some sounds, it will not work, but I think I can give you that. And then it, it turned out really well.
2: And then and, I, yeah. Are you, te- are you temp- How do you temp in this case?
0: That's all his stuff. It's uh-huh. all his stuff. He never tempts anything from other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the very beginning when we did uh, The Day After Tomorrow was the first movie he made, but I had produced a movie called 13th Floor, which was before that, you know? So, uh, and I I, I thought, oh my God, this guy's super talented. And then I kind of hired him for uh, Day After Tomorrow. And from that moment on, Besides, like Stonewall, I hired another guy, and uh, and it's just like uh, it's this kind of trust you have in somebody. You yeah, you just trust him, and it's also somebody who um, he pretty much like creates the music while you test, mm-hmm. and that's also like something where you can say, I don't think that's a good piece. And she's not offended or anything. I said, "Well, let's do another one."
2: And then, do you ever like adjust your cut to the music? No. Meaning, no. no, the other Never. way around. Always
0: other way around. Uh-huh. Never do that. <laughs> Never do that. It's wrong. <laughs> Just like my opinion, but uh, I have to say, I once worked with uh, uh, John Williams, and he teached me. Uh, he always played like some motive or something on the piano and you watched with him the, the cut and that was all like kind of only uh, pretty much like music from other films, you know. And he always like said, uh, no, that's not good. <laughs> and then he said, oh, shoot. and I said, no, it's fine. I'm like doing something better than that. And so it was like for me a real, real, experience which I kind of will never forget because uh, it was just like um, this kind of older dude you know who's like kind of so safe in his taste that he's like he said like don't don't worry and he wrote a fantastic uh, score I mean which was Oscar nominated and so that was like kind of really really amazing for me and 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 I think that's I kind of also then learned with Actually, with Harold together, that we, have at one point, you know, had like, um, an editor in, uh, in Day After Tomorrow, which actually passed away three, four days ago, uh, at the age of 59. And I'm like kind of, you know, I'm going there every day because his widow and, you know, his two kids or three kids. And, um, but anyway, he, he did like, music for the for the film and and I kind of always like said this is wrong to do that and we went then after the second movie we did together Harold and I we said like let's not do that let's just not do that and uh it was great because it's 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 just like a new feeling you get for your own film Mm. and when you have like a music it's always like oh it's some music and it's, it's so uh, amazing when you, like, have to invent music.
2: Roland, we got to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the crazy thing is the last time we actually sat down face to face was a few years ago for dinner, and you were telling me about your idea about Moonfall. <laughs> yeah. Here we are again, <laughs> cut to a few years later.
0: I remember that it was, like, just before I left to Montreal. I think so, yeah. yeah two years ago. Anyhow.
2: Well, thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America.